I'm going to be speaking tonight out of the book of Matthew chapter 16. And it's been, well, we've already went through chapter 16 of Matthew about five weeks ago or so. And we talked about Jesus Christ and how Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the living Son of God. And we dealt with several things. Tonight, I'm, I want to deal with verse 18 and 19 of chapter 16 of Matthew. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with the beginning verses that we start with in verse 13. If you want to go back to the podcast or the YouTube or the uh, media ministry, you can go back and kind of catch up with it. But I, I really want to speak to the church concerning the power of prayer concerning the power of agreement. And I want to speak to you as children of God how what God meant when he said, whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven, whatever you loose on, what do you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. And I want to clarify and, and show some things tonight that will help us understand that doctrine of binding and loosing. And uh, it may surprise you what Jesus Christ was actually trying to say. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. I'll draw your attention to verse 18 and 19 when we get started. And when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Come, and some say, Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Draw your attention to verse 18 and 19. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." I want to use for a subject based on that verse 19, I'll give unto you the keys. Every church has its own keys. That's what I'm talking about. Every church has its own keys. You may be seated. Not only does every church have its own key, but it has its own door. We decide by the leadership of God's Word and by the Spirit of God, what kind of church we will be. It is our decision how we will respond to the things of God. And God has given to us the keys, and every church has a key and has a key to every door. Every church has a door and a key. The Bible says that Jesus said to Simon, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And I'll get back to the whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, but whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven in a, uh, toward the end of the message. But what I want to point out is simply this. 
Jesus Christ came down to earth to give us the keys to the kingdom of God. And keys are meant to unlock things or to lock things. And this church has its very own key. It's given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we choose what we will do as a body of believers. I mentioned several weeks back in Isaiah 22, verse 15, it says, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Go get thee unto his treasure, unto this treasure, even unto Sebnei, which is over the house, and say. And, of course, Isaiah tells Sebnei the treasure. And it's interesting that God did not speak to the priest. He spoke to the one that held the books. He spoke to the treasurer, the one that had the money. Because the treasurer here, Sebnei, had pretty much taken over the house of God. Why? Because the house of God had disintegrated to nothing. And there's always that one person going to hang on. And Zebne held on to what little bit was left of the temple. And he had made himself comfortable as the treasurer of the temple of God. And he intended to sit on that finances. And there on those finances in the property of the temple of God, he would make himself comfortable and erect a memorial to himself, and he would dig in and be what he felt like the most important person on the planet. That disrupted God's harmony in the temple. The temple was dead. It was scattered. It was falling apart. Yet the, this Zebne, the treasurer, decided so what? I've got the books. I've got the money. doesn't matter to me about the temple. I could care less about the temple as long as I am in control. Oh, that could be said of a lot of little churches around the country. Come on now. Look at verse 16. What, thou, what hast thou here? And whom hast thou here? That thou hast hewn thee out a sepulcher here. In other words, the treasurer says, I'm going to die here, but I'm going to die rich. As he that heweth him out a sepulcher on high, and that engraveth, engraveth an inhabitation of himself on a rock. In other words, I'm going to be known in this temple as the great financer, great protector. Notice in verse 20, and it shall come to pass in that day, that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe. In other words, I'm going to strip the robe off of uh, Sebne and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hands. And he shall be a father unto the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key, here it is, and the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder so he shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. I'll make him permanent structure. 
in the house of the Lord. So basically what God was saying through the prophet to Zebni, turn over your books. You're done. You have no longer power here. We're going to rebuild the temple of God. And I'm going to give the keys to someone that will do what needs to be done in order for the house of God to operate and to recover in glory. God has given us the keys to make sure that this house is a place that echoes and shouts the glory of the Son of God every service. God has given this house, we, he has given us the keys in which we can shout out that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the Son of God. And we choose to glorify God. We choose to honor God. We choose to stand up for God. We choose to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Upon this rock I'll build my church, Jesus Christ said, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. He's saying my word will penetrate the hearts of people. My word will produce fruit and power and glory. I'll build my church upon on this rock that Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God, that Jesus is God Almighty, and we have the keys to tell a world and a neighborhood and a town and a city and everywhere we go that Jesus Christ is Lord of glory. We have the key. I said, we have the key. Now, I realize that Peter started out with the key. God told Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And now we know that Peter opened up on the day of Pentecost to the Jewish people. And on the day of Pentecost, the Jewish people were baptized in the Holy Ghost. He introduced the gospel of who Jesus was in, in Acts chapter 2. We also know that Peter later opened up the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. But those keys that Peter had was not handed to a pope was not handed to a, someone that would come behind him. Those keys was handed to the apostleship. And to the apostles and their doctrine, the church erects upon the foundation of the, doctrine, uh, of the apostles' doctrine, the church rises up, and God has given every group of people that come together in his name the keys. We have a key. Amen. And that key opens the doors to praising God. That key opens the door to preaching God's word. That key opens the door to sharing Christ with our community. That key opens the door to giving God glory. Oh yeah, sometimes the music's loud. Never the preacher's too loud. We always have a great time in the Lord. We stand together and praise God. Why? Because we have a key. And as long as we have a key, this church will be open every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. Because we not only have a key, we have a door. Notice in Luke 11, 51 and 52, I'll give a partial reading of verse 51 of Luke 11. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias. Now, Zacharias was one that was stoned to death, killed between the altar and the temple. Uh, sometime uh, before Jesus' arrival, 
this priest, and actually he was a priest that was a son-in-law to the king, and Zacharias was killed. But we know about Abel in Genesis chapter 4. And of course, it goes on to say in verse 52, Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in you hindered. Lawyers were meant to interpret God's Word. Lawyers in the Scriptures, here he's talking about, were people that were to expound, explain, and declare God's Word, to interpret God's Word. But these lawyers did not interpret God's Word. They were too wrapped up in financial matters and their own personal matters. And they have taken the key and not used it properly. The Bible says, for you have taken away the key of the knowledge. In other words, you had, you had the knowledge to give to the people, but you took the key away. You did not give the key of knowledge. And that's why we preach verse by verse through the Bible. That's why we take time to expound the scriptures, because we don't want to take away the knowledge of God's word. There's too much good stuff between the pages of God's Word that we miss when we hide the key of knowledge. Sometimes I don't enjoy the key of knowledge that's in God's Word. There's parts in God's Word that I just assume wasn't written. But it is written, and what God has written, He's written. Amen. And heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, Jesus Christ declared, shall not pass away. So we as a, chi- as a church, we not only have the keys to an open door, we have the keys to our own church, we have keys to our own place and to our own doors, but we also have keys of knowledge. We have the key of knowledge. And woe be unto any of us if we don't expound that knowledge to people who come through these doors. We need to tell how incredible our God is. We need to remark about how powerful our God is. In fact, Jesus Christ declared in Revelation 3, 7, we're not only, ha- we're not only a church, every church has a key, we have a key and we have our own door and, and we have the key of knowledge, but we as a church, we also have an open door that Jesus opened for us. And we have a closed door that Jesus closed for us. That's found in Revelation 3, 7. Under the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, who has the key of David, Jesus, he to uh, key of David to open it, and no man shuts and shutteth, and no man opens. In other words, the master, Jesus Christ, has opened a door for us, and he's closed the door for us. And that's why we get into the, the, the principle of uh, binding and loosing here in a little bit, and the prayer of agreement. We need to understand what Jesus Christ is saying. Not only, not only does Jesus open a door for us and close some doors for us, I mean, come on. There's just some things that's close to our church. The world's too ugly. The world's too filthy. The world's too rebellious. There's just some things close to our church. We will never accept. Now, we'll accept people with a 
alternative lifestyle. We'll love them, we'll care about them, we'll shake their hand, and we'll show we care about them. But we'll never give permission, nor will we ever condone, nor will we ever make it acceptable in our midst. Marriage between one man and one woman, period. That's closed. There'll be no weddings of same-sex weddings in this church. Why? Because the door is closed. There'll be no there'll be no condoning of different sexes and people trying to decide whether they're a man or a woman. Amen. You walk into this building, I want you to know it's close to male and female. And if you walk into this building, if you look like a sir, I'm going to call you sir. If you look like a ma'am, I'm going to call you ma'am. And if you don't like it, you just got to get over it. There's some doors that are closed. Come on now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. There's doors that are just simply closed. We're closed to false doctrine. We're closed to people preaching things that there's another way to heaven other than Jesus Christ. That door's closed. I mean, this ship's done sailed toward glory. We've done made up our mind. The key is ours. And we stand here, and I make no apology. We are a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, shouting, glorifying God church. We are a church that believes in holiness and purity and life and goodness. We are a church of love and a church that stands for people that are in need. We are a church that loves Jesus Christ and stirred with the power of God. We are a church that loves Jesus Christ. And when people persecute Jesus, they hurt us. And when they hurt us, they hurt my Savior. And if you don't believe that, you can read Acts chapter 9. When Jesus Christ asked Paul, why are you persecuting thou me? Well, Jesus, uh, Paul hadn't done anything to Jesus per se, but he was persecuting the church. And you persecuting me. Amen? Now, we see that Jesus not only opens doors, closes doors, and we're to never take our liberty and take a key and try to open a door that God does not give permission. I'm afraid that too many churches, because they can't get the door open, they make their own door. I'm serious. There are churches out there because they can't get the door open, they just make their own door. Make their own rules, make their own savior, make their own Bible, make their own standard. They got their key, they got their church door, they got their church key, they'll do it their way. But I'm here to tell you, like Zebna, one day God will take it away from all of them because God is concerned about his temple. Amen? Number four, Jesus holds the master keys. Jesus holds the master keys. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. When did Jesus say that? He said that when John was on his face at the feet of the resurrected Son of God. And for fear, Jesus Christ said, fear not. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I, ha I am alive forevermore. 
And I have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus says, I've got the keys. I've got the keys to hell. I've got the keys to death. I've got the keys to, to everything. He holds the master key. Amen? Now, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty in just a little bit, but not only, does, not only is there keys, a key, a church has its own key and its own door. A church, we as a church have a key of knowledge. We as a church have an open door that Jesus opened, a closed door that Jesus closed. Jesus holds the master keys. He's the resurrected Son of God. He's the one that liveth forever. There are keys to the bottomless pit, and which I want nothing to do with. Hello. There are keys to the bottomless pit in which I want absolutely nothing to do with. In Revelation, there there are two places in Revelation where an angel has a key to the bottomless pit. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him, that star was an angel, was given the key of the bottomless pit. He opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke. It goes on to say that locusts came out of the darkness and the belching of the smoke, and that locust was demons, and they were tormenting men with a sting, and men would wish to die for nine months in the blackness and the darkness of the black smoke and sulfur. People were agonizing. That, my friend, I want to be with him in heaven when that takes place. I don't want to be here on earth. I want to be with my Jesus Christ. I want to be where there's light and no smoke and brimstone and no suffering and no begging to die. That's in the great tribulation. After the great tribulation, Revelation 20, verse 1 and 2, getting ready for the millennial reign. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, And a great chain was in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That's the millennial reign where Satan will be bound for a thousand years, and Jesus will reign, set up a kingdom on earth for a thousand years. I am. I said all that to to bring some things out that that I... (laughs) It's so important. We do have a key, the key of knowledge. We have the key of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand the key is far, far more important than the binding and loosing. The key is important that we understand that what has been bound has already been bound to the power of Jesus Christ. And what is loosed has already been loosed by Jesus Christ. The power is in the gospel of Christ. Now, let's look at this, and I'll I'll try not to keep you too long, but long enough that you'll understand. We need to be very careful with with the doctrine of binding and loosing. We need to be very careful with that. And the reason we need to be very careful with that is because um, it's... I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to say. You can get 
totally in left field on this binding and loosing. I'm okay with binding the growth of cancer. I'm okay with loosing someone from the, the destruction of cancer or sickness and disease in their body. I think that's appropriate. I think it's appropriate to pray a freedom and the breaking and the severing away of a, of a terminal disease from someone's body. I think it's good that we pray the prayer of agreement. We call out to God. But we need to understand that there are limitations. I've been around long enough that you'll hear people say, I bind the devil in the city of Ozark. I bind the devil in the world. I bind the devil. Pardon me. Pardon me. You bind the devil. Pardon me. Michael, the mighty warring archangel, Israel's mighty warring angel, and Luke says he, and Jude rather, he says he dare not bring a railing accusation against Lucifer, against Satan. But he says, the Lord rebuke thee. So we need to be careful about this binding and loosing. And I, and, and I need to understand we have, we have already had God's binding through his word. We have already got God's loosing through his word. As a church, we bind ourselves to this book. As a church, we bind ourselves to prayer. As a church, we bind ourselves to holy living. As a church, we bind ourselves to the foundations of God, for they are sure. We loose ourselves from sinful behavior because God has already bound mankind from freedom to sin to the death of Jesus. God has already loosed people from their sin to the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. God has already bound hell from us as believers. He's already loosed people from the, the dregs of hell, but he binds people to death, hell, and the grave that reject him. But they come to Jesus Christ, they'll be loosed by, from death by the power of Jesus Christ, loosed from hell by the power of Jesus Christ, loosed from the grave by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the power of binding and loosing is not in us, it's in Jesus Christ. And, you know, that, that goes, I think there are occasions when you bind the devil, but it's only in rare circumstances. It's when that it's been it's been uh, narrowed down to um, someone struggling with something in their life. But remember, when you bind and loose, you're dealing with a human being, and it's called free will. Amen. What? I, you know, I would to God it would be so easy. I, I, I loose that person in the name of Jesus. And the devil just laughs all the time I'm yelling and yakking. Because there's more attached to it than that. God looses people from the powers of sin and darkness through his gospel. It's what God has already done in heaven. It's what God has already done on earth. Amen. We bind ourselves to the Bible. 
we loose ourselves to false doctrine. We bind ourselves to the gospel. We loose ourselves to fables. We bind ourselves to holy living. We loose ourselves from the world. We bind our church to the foundation of God. We loose ourselves from the shaky places of the world. I, uh, this is not a real easy message to portray, but I, I want you to think about what I'm saying. The gospel has already been. The gospel has already loosed, has been loosed in heaven. The gospel has already been loosed. God has already sent his son. The gospel has already loosed humanity in heaven. All you got, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We need to understand that what Jesus Christ did, and, and, and you could almost say when you talk about binding and loosing, when you talk about whatever you loose on earth or bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, loose in heaven, it's almost like we need to stop and reconsider what Jesus Christ is really saying. He's saying simply this, what has already been bound in heaven, you can bind on the earth. What has already been loosed in heaven, you can loose on the earth. What God has already done, you can proclaim with authority and power. Yes, there is occasions when we speak to a mountain. There is occasions when we speak to a, a, a tree that's, that's foul and we rebuke it that it dry up by the root. Yes, there's occasions when we speak to cancer, we speak to uh, uh, problems, but please hear me and hear me well. We are not equipped without God's word to penetrate and send Satan a-going. Amen. You know what the Bible says about Lucifer and our relationship to him? The Bible says, resist the devil. Refuse the devil. And even if need be, flee from the devil. That's Bible principles. That's what Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lust. What we need to understand is this. All living people carry or live in the flesh. All living people are carrying the flesh. They, they, they inhabit the flesh. Christians walk with God. Sinners walk in the flesh. And some sinners walk in with the devil. And that's pretty much all of it in a nutshell. And please hear me because I don't want you to misunderstand me, but I, I think we've missed it completely when we go to teaching that, bless God, we can just bind the devil everywhere we go. We can just loose people everywhere we go. There is a time for that, and it's in rare occasions when we do that, but we do not run around and show people how shallow we are in the Scripture. I bind that fat spirit in the name of Jesus. I bind that gluttony in the name of Jesus. I bind that stupidity in the name of Jesus. Come on. Hello? I bind what's going on in the White House today. Bind it in the name, name of Jesus. Hey, it's going to take an election to do that. Yeah. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, there are some people that are so super spiritual, they turn people off because they don't see what the Scripture's clearly saying. The Scripture's clearly saying that whatever whatever sins you remit, they are remitted. What's the sins you retain, they're retained in John chapter 20. He's not saying you can forgive sin. He says you can declare your sins forgiven through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. You can, you can, you can tell people it's wrong to, to live in homosexuality. It's wrong to live in gluttony. It's wrong to live in, in, in uh, same-sex marriage. It's wrong. And you can declare that, and it's true. It's true. It is wrong. but only because the Bible says so. You know, I want everybody in this room to understand that we are not homophobic like they accuse us of being. We're not. I'd love for this church to be full of them, full of people that's confused, full of people that's mixed up. So that the gospel can set them free. I, I'd love to see drunks come in here by the hundreds so the gospel can set them free. I, I don't mistreat anybody. I love everybody. But God's word trumps it all. God's word is final authority. And we have an open door to preach God's word. And we have closed the door to certain sins that this planet, abortion, same-sex marriage, different kinds of sexual identities, all those things are contrary to the Word of God. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what our leaders in America say. God said it. I believe it, and it's settled forever. And whether I believe it or not, it's still settled. God's Word is true. And we're not, we're not unkind to people. We won't be mean to people. We, but we will preach the truth. And we preach it in love. We preach it in the power of God. We share the goodness of the Lord. And we understand that through the Spirit of God, God sets people free. I'm going to take you one more place and we'll be done. I don't want to keep you too long, but we got to look at this prayer of agreement. Prayer of agreement. We'll be in this actually next week. Actually, we won't be in it next week, but we will be in it in the 18th chapter. Probably not next week. It'll take... A few weeks to get there. But verse 18, 19, and 20. Verse 18, this is Matthew 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now that is binding according to God's word. That is loosening according to God's word. That is proclamation. Again, I say unto you that if two of you will agree on earth as touching anything that shall that anything that they shall ask, that's the key word in this verse 19, ask. Not commanding, asking. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Why? Because they ask. They believed and they asked. For where two or three are gathered together, together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. This is a prayer of agreement. I asked a gentleman, well, I asked Chuck before service, the, the, the big Chuck, not the little Chuck. We got the Chuck Chucks around here. Chuck Krause. And I happen to have a great deal of confidence in Chuck's prayers. 
I have a great admiration for his ability to pray and seeking the Lord. He's my friend. He's my friend in ministry, and I have great admiration for his ability to pray. I called him into the office, in the secretary's office, and I said, Chuck, I want you to agree with me on something. And I shared with you. You say, what is it? I'm not going to share with you because you might not be agreeable with me. See, you can't have a prayer of agreement with someone if they don't agree with you. Hello? Just remember that. It's like, well, I want the whole church to pray the prayer of agreement with. Half the church probably don't even like your idea. You've got to find people that, are, that believe you, that believes what you're seeking, so that they can, out of faith, without doubt, believe, and they can have the prayer of agreement. And I asked Chuck to pray a prayer with me to have a prayer of agreement. And Chuck's been praying already for it, but he'll continue to pray a prayer of agreement. Why? Because Chuck agrees with what, I'm, what I feel in my heart that God wants me to do. I don't share that with everybody in this room because you're not agreeable. At least some of you wouldn't be. Hello? Tell me you're not at the level of where I think I'm, you know, you, if I shared with you what I've been praying for, you would think, ooh, ooh, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. If I shared with you what I'm believing God for, you'd think, that's nonsense. That's why I didn't ask you to pray for me. Amen? Come on. Hello? You say, well, you know, why do you need to do that? Why do I not need to do that? Hello? See, this thing ain't got nothing to do with the crowds we have. We had a full house Sunday morning. This has nothing to do with the crowds we have. It has nothing to do with the crowds we don't have. It has everything to do with, is this pleasure to God? Is this bringing glory to God? And that's, that's what it's all about. I got others praying with me. Josh is praying and... and uh, and Chuck and myself and Jimmy Harris is praying the prayer of agreement with me. And some others are praying that prayer of agreement. You say, what is it? I'll tell you when the agreement comes in. Hello? But the prayer of agreement, we need to understand. Like when I prayed for Carol earlier, nobody has a problem with me speaking to that fear because God is the opposite of fear. So that fear moves on Carol, and that power of God voids that fear. Nobody has a problem with that. Nobody has a problem with me praying that her heart beats regularly and her heart is strong and that she gets everything back in, in, in sync and back to normal, the, the most normal she can get for a woman. But anyway, you know, normal. See there, that's why I don't have you pray the prayer of agreement with me for it. But I, I pray for Carol. What is God trying to say? Do you believe it's God's will that he saved your grandchildren? Then we can pray that prayer of agreement. We can pray that prayer of agreement. Um, we don't, you know, bless God, I bind that... That sinner. Wait a minute. There's a wheel here. That sinner has a wheel. So when we, when we join together and agree, 
we loose that person to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We bind that person from any more distractions so that that person will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we have to be real careful about what we do in this ministry of binding and loosening because the, the truth is uh, no one's going to get saved till the Father draws them and they convict and they repent of their sins and give their heart to Christ. I don't care how much you loose and bind, but it's important that we pray for loved ones, get someone to agree with you that the Spirit of God is going to hover over your grandchildren and the Holy Spirit will convict them and draw them to Christ. See, it's Christ the Savior. I mean, what are you going to lose them to? What are you going to bind them to? We loose them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask God to bind the distractions. We don't ask God to remove their job or remove their money or to kill them or hurt them. Or pray. That's not what we do. We, we loose that person into the caring hands of Jesus Christ. We loose that person because Jesus Christ has already died for that person. That person has already been loosed in heaven. Jesus took care of that on the cross of Calvary. And when Jesus Christ comes, he binds the strong men of the house. He spoils the goods. He gives eternal life to our loved ones. So we pray the prayer of agreement in order to see our loved ones saved. I had a man tell me uh, I got saved in 1978 on January, cold January 15th, 1978, if you remember, there was a big snowstorm during that time. And uh, 1978, I was working at FASCO. And I had a guy come to me, and, and I wasn't even thinking about God. And, and the guy comes to me, and he says, uh, he said, James, and he called me Brother James. I thought that's so odd. He said, Brother James. And I thought, man, that's weird. He ain't my brother. You know, and he said, Brother James, would you mind if I pray for you? I said, yeah, I mind. Don't pray for me now. He said, no, no, no. Would you mind if I ask the church to pray for you? Would you mind if I pray for you that, you that God would begin to deal with your heart? He prayed for me, and shortly after that, I come under great conviction, turned my heart to Jesus Christ, and I think it was a direct result of that man praying for me. And so we need to pray for our loved ones. And you need to get others to join you in prayer that that person, your loved one, would be loose to the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ, would be bound from the world and the wickedness of the world, but let it be his idea that God put in his spirit. I love it when God gives, you know, God gives me the idea that was his idea to begin with. That's incredible. I love it when God does that. He gives me, it's my idea, and God says, Okay, I gave it to you. And that's beautiful. When God gives you the idea, press on. Amen? I, I hope I'm helping you a little bit on this law of this doctrine of binding and loosening because we need to understand that when an angel comes down uh, with a key and he's a, an angel and he opens the bottomless pit in, in Revelation 9, or when the angel comes down with a giant chain and in Revelation 20, and he puts the devil in the bottomless pit. And Michael the archangel, the warring angel of Israel, says, I won't rebuke you. 
disputing over the body of Moses and Jude. And, and Michael the archangel says, I, I'm not bringing a rallying accusation against him. He said, the Lord rebuked thee. We need to understand if they are that cautious, we need to understand that you, it, it, it's Jesus that's going to have to take care of this issue. It's not us. Amen? Oh, I wish it was that easy. I bind the devil from the world right now in Jesus' name. I've heard praying like that. I've heard praying like I bind the devil from America. Bind the devil from the church. Well, first of all, the devil ain't got his nasty hands on this church. Leave us alone. I get so irritated, and we don't have that much anymore because I pre Josh sings, and we, Josh and I pretty much do the preaching, but I get so irritated when someone used to say, I feel a hindering spirit in this place. We need to pray that the hindering spirit goes away. Leave me alone. Because when you do that, you just bring a dark cloud over the church service. Can there be a hindering spirit in the preaching? Yes, there can. But I don't need someone to stand up with a billboard sign saying, hey, devil's got us, boy. We need to pray that the Lord looses us. Leave us alone. Let God do his job. I heard a preacher tell this woman one time, I rebuke that spirit of heaviness from you in the name of Jesus. And I went up to him after service and I said, why did you rebuke the spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus to that woman? He said, because, bless God, there was a heavy spirit on it. I said, wouldn't the word work better? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then you got this nonsense that's going on prophesying. Oh, I can prophesy to you. It's going to get light tomorrow. Light's going to come into your bedroom. You're going to have better days. This storm that you're in will go away. Really? Come on now. People are so gullible to want to hear from God that they listen to any voice that speaks. And I refuse to listen to any voice that speaks except this right here. Because you can get sidetracked if you listen to voices. You start chasing a word around. <laughs> you better sit down and stand in this book, quit chasing a word around, because the, that word may be a preacher that's having a, an affair on the side. Or alcohol problem on the side, or it's a false prophet. Don't be chasing a word around. You got a whole book of words. Don't be so lazy. Read the book. Listen to what God has to say. Amen? Come on. I went and listened to a preacher one time, and he was giving a word to everybody. He called everybody out. And he he was he had the ministry of praying for our children. 
And he'd get the children up there. I didn't take my children up there because I didn't want his hands on them. But anyway, the other people were taking their children. And that man would put his hands on them children and say, uh, Thus saith the Lord, you're going to be a mighty warrior of God. Well, what parent doesn't want to hear that? Thus saith the Lord, you're going to serve God in a mighty, extraordinary way. Well, what parent doesn't want to hear that? I never heard that preacher say one time, this kid is a snotty old hateful brat that God needs to just pressure and, and chuck out the window. I never heard him do that. Why? Because that doesn't get good offerings. What gets good offerings is your boy is going to be a Billy Graham or a Billy Sunday or some great preacher. And when they grows up, your, your girl's going to be fantastic. Listen to me. You need to get away from that kind of stuff. You get away from that kind of stuff. If you get away from that kind of stuff, you're, you're going to go into a new era. You're, going to, you're about to step into a new, new uh, vision. You're about to step into a new room, a new place. Well, do I need someone to tell me that? I'll know it when I'm in a different room. Really, there's people that just chase that stuff around because they're, they're not emotionally equipped to deal with their pressure when they need to just sit down, shut up, and listen to the Word of God and do what the Word of God says to do. So what's that got to do with binding and loosening? Everything. We need to understand that the prayer of agreement and, I, and I, I do call on people to have a prayer of agreement with me from time to time. And it wouldn't be wrong for us to have a prayer of agreement that our church would grow more, that more visitors would come in. That's a great prayer of agreement. Who doesn't want more people in the church? Who doesn't want to see more people in the altars? That's a good prayer of agreement. We can pray of agreement. Why? Because God has already made that possible in the heavens. They're already loose to come. They just got to come. Amen? And we need to pray for our loved ones. We need to pray for our spouses that are not saved. We need to pray for our loved ones. And, and, if you, and we need to pray the prayer of agreement that our grandchildren will be saved, our children will be saved. Pray the prayer of agreement that God will convict them. It'll be up to them to decide, but we can pray the prayer of agreement that God will draw them. We pray to the Lord of the harvest to draw them. We can pray the prayer of agreement that the church will grow, pray the prayer of agreement that the church will, will expound and grow more in media and, and outreach and ministry. All those are good ministries, and all those are things that we can pray the prayer of agreement. But no one, no one person, no one person can take credit for God growing the church. No one person can take credit for God loosening someone from their sin because only God can do that. I got so aggravated at a guy one time. He, he didn't have no car. His car was falling apart. And, and we prayed the prayer of agreement that he would get a car. And we prayed, you know, a prayer of agreement at the church that he would get a car. And we really wanted him to have a car. His car was really bad. It was a Ford. Anyway, it was bad. And... And we really prayed that he'd get a car. And we prayed a prayer of agreement. We put some money toward that. 
And instead of standing before the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you to the church. Thank you to the things of God. You know what that man did? The first chance he got, he said, I was believing God for that. Praise God. God gave it to me because I've been believing God for it. You know what he did? He just took the glory plumb out of it. He stole God's glory. And I thought, you sucker, I hope that car blows up today and you had to walk home. I didn't say it out loud, but that's what I felt like. We need to be careful when we pray for something, God does a great thing. Be careful that we don't take credit for some answer to prayer because we're not the only ones praying. And God's the one delivering. God's the one saving. Amen? So we as a church, we've got the key. We got the key to loud music. We got the key to loud preaching. We got the key to good-looking pastor. Got the key to... No, no, he's not... He's not the good-looking one. The old one's the good-looking one. Anyway, I've had more years to, to perfect myself. Thank you. Thank you. If you men said I'm good-looking, I'd be worried. But anyway, thank you. Jerry, don't even shake my hand after service. I'm kidding. Jerry's an awesome man. We got an awesome church. We've got a key. Let's keep the right things in and the wrong things out. And let's keep it going. And let's serve the Lord and let's honor God. And let's pray the prayers of agreement. Amen? Stand with me. I love the prayer of agreement. How many of you would pray with me the prayer of agreement? that God will begin to draw people in this community to our church. Would you pray that prayer of agreement with me? That God will begin to draw people to our church and people will hear the word of God. Let's pray that prayer of agreement right now. Dear Jesus, we're asking you, we're believing together in the prayer of agreement that you will draw people into this church to hear your word. We pray the prayer of agreement that you will fill this house with people hungry for your word and that you begin to draw people into this church. And would you pray the prayer of agreement that God will begin to speak to our grandchildren. That prayer of agreement, dear Lord, we pray that you'd begin to convict and draw our grandchildren, our sons and our daughters. We pray the prayer of agreement that our grandchildren would be drawn by you, Father, and that you'd begin to do something incredible in this house. God, that you'd begin to draw grandchildren, sons and daughters, that you begin to draw people into this place, the prayer of agreement. We join together in agreement and prayer. We loose, we loose the hindrances around. We don't, we don't take lightly the power of you that you alone can loose. You alone can bind. You alone are sovereign. And we join together and believe that you're going to fill the house. You're going to save our grandchildren. You're going to save our sons and our daughters. 
God, you're going to do miracles in this house. We agree the prayer that you're going to completely heal Carol. The, the prayer, we agree in prayer that you're going to completely, literally give Gala a new, beautiful strength and excellent he healing in her body. Same for Carol. Lord, we're, we're believing you. We're believing you, Lord. We bind ourselves together as children of God, standing in your word, so that people will be loosed to your word, your gospel, your message. For what you've loosed in heaven, we announce loosed on earth. What you have bound in heaven, we announce bound on earth. Because it's you that have done what is great. It is you that has done this great work. Thank you, Jesus.